Welcome to Answer the Call. I'm your host, Kelsey Kemp, and I'm an ex-emerging tech consultant turned career coach, podcaster, and speaker helping Christians discern their unique calling and create a career that's aligned with it. So you could be as faithful and as impactful as possible with the decades of work ahead. So here at Answer the Call, we gather around a new topic each Tuesday to help you gain clarity and confidence on what you're specifically called to do with your career, as well as smart strategies to help you get there. Happy December, everybody. I can't believe it. We're in the last month of the year already, and I hope that you guys had an incredible Thanksgiving with family and friends last week. And speaking of friends, this week you'll be hearing from my pal, Carly Hicks, as we talk about how to be bold and get a job that you're actually excited about, regardless of what you majored in or what industry you've been working in. Because the truth is, you're not limited to what your career or what your resume says. We'll go in depth about what we mean by that and uh, how you could break the mold and do something you actually like. So uh, Carly is quite the poster child for defying convention as she majored in business, supply chain management to be exact, which is actually what I majored in as well. Um, But despite majoring in business towards the end of her college career, she realized that she actually wasn't interested in any of the traditional business jobs that she saw at career fairs like accounting, finance, consulting jobs, or oil and gas jobs, marketing, etc. So whenever she was honest with herself and said, you know, I'm really not excited about positions like these. Um, So she actually decided to do something about that and put her full force into getting a job in film, which she was successful in doing. And she now lives in New York City and works as a page for NBC Universal. So look at her go. And let me just say this episode is actual fire. Some of the golden nuggets that you have to look forward to are things we talk about like what how much does your major really matter also we give a reality check on the fact that if you play your cards right all your college and your work experience should expand your opportunities to allow you to do what you really want to do instead of limiting them Also, we talk about how to communicate yourself as a competitive candidate through your resume and networking strategy to get a job in a new industry that you might not even have experience or connections in. And also, we talk about how to know if your passion should just stay a hobby or if it's something you should really pursue as a job. Finally, we talk about how to be faithful with the desires God puts on our heart and how to tell if your desires are just fleeting feelings or casual interests or if they're a true passion that you should really be paying attention and doing something with. I can't wait to hear what y'all think about this episode. Connect with me on LinkedIn where you could find me by searching Kelsey Kemp or you could DM me on Instagram at Kelsey underscore the called career. Uh, You could find these links in the show notes of this episode or in the details, whatever you call them (laughs) below, um, just for an easy one click to those profiles. Um, Because I'd love to meet you and hear what you took away from this episode. 
Also, if you catch me on the gram right now, you'll probably get a fun peek into my little twincation with my identical twin sis, Kirsten, since at the time this episode is being published, we'll actually be in the heart of Tuscany, probably consuming pasta and wine like it's my full-time job. Um, but even though I'm on vacation in Italy right now, you've got my voice in your earbuds and are probably ready and eager to dive into this episode. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Carly Hicks. Carly, I am so amped for this. Let me give my little preamble, all right? Listen Ooh. up. <laughs> your big sis and I, we're best pals. We go to A&M together, uh, which by this point, I feel like almost all my guests lately have been business school pals. We're going to yeah. branch out soon. <laughs> Actually, this is an act of branching out because your story inherently, you acted like quite the maverick and have led an interesting path that I'm excited to get into. But Macy, your big sister and I, we're like, all right, we're business students. I think that we've just got to play the game as we see it. Like, you know, to be successful, you have to work at one of these four or five companies. And then lo and behold, Macy and I actually do that. We go to work for the same company and we're like, oh yeah, we're big shots. We're like getting the consulting jobs and whatever. And then we see you come up behind us and just seemingly like give no rips about convention. And then you end up like all the better for it. And for, it seems like a long time now, Macy and I, well, she probably doesn't let this on because she's your big <laughs> sister, but we've been very inspired by how you didn't feel like you needed to follow the script that was handed to you by like, oh, this is what a business student has to do. They have to be an accountant um, in finance or investment banking or a consultant of some kind or whatever. And I think it, your mindset on this has just served you really well. So I'm excited to get into this. Whenever I asked Macy, I was like, Macy, I think I want to interview Carly. She was like, no, <laughs> don't let her ego get too big. She actually showed me that text, which is what she does every time. So she does tell me that she thinks it's cool where I am and what I've done because she wants to work in the same thing. Um, but always with the condition, okay, I do think you're cool, but like, don't get a big hat about it. <laughs> so I, she consistently humbles me, which I'm thankful for. Oh, I think that's the big sister's job. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but hey, this is your time, Carly. We're going to talk about you. So give the listeners a little, a little blurb, a little overview. Where are you at? What are you doing? What are you up to? Yeah, so I'm currently working in New York City as a page for NBC. And the PAGE program is a one-year rotational for recent graduates who want to work in entertainment and media. Now, outside of work, uh, I'm just really involved in my church, hanging out with friends and finding fun things to do in the city and hanging out with my sister a lot because she lives here as well. So it's a lot of fun. Oh, I love you too. Y'all are so precious, especially whenever y'all travel together. Oh my gosh, it's like, here's another <laughs> castle and another castle. <laughs> like That is our favorite thing to travel to. Yeah, just castles yep. every summer. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Um, also, yes, what an exciting life. Very inspiring. So tell us, let's go into, but how? How did you get there? Um, so take us back to you going into college mm -hmm. what major did you pick Why right did you pick that so going in 
to applying to universities. I knew I wanted to go to A&M. It was a big family thing to go to A&M and I was all on board and I had no idea what I wanted to be my senior year of high school. And so I decided to apply to the business school and the business honors program. One, my dad worked there. Two, my sister was in it. And three, I figured it could give me the widest array of options for what I wanted to do after school because I still had no idea of any specific career or path that I wanted to take. So I decided business would be the best way to set myself up for success uh, in choosing that. And it worked out well, very circuitous path to get to where I am, but chose business. Short story. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let me just pull out one thing you said. You're like, I want to go into business because I think it will give me the most amount of options. Very interesting and practical that I think that is the main driver for people majoring in business because that's true. It does get you a lot of options, but somehow if you talk to a freshman who decided on the business school and you ask their reasoning, they will say what you just said. But if you ask a senior who is applying for all these jobs, somehow they act like they're really, really limited in what they could do which is so, so fascinating. So we're going get to get into how you were resilient and not falling into that trap because the theme here is that oftentimes we act like we're limited by what's on our resume or what uh, we majored in, but really very, very few, if any, external limits exist. It's really just in your mind. Mm-hmm. So Talk to me about what major you chose and where you considered going with that, and maybe when the breakoff point was where you're like, wait, no, I, I'm not going to go into like these accounting jobs and whatever. Oh, that yeah. you Definitely. So my the thought process that I went through to choose a major was actually just the process of elimination. I took my first accounting class my freshman year, got a really bad grade, and it was the most <laughs> awful class I've ever taken in my entire life. And I said, you know, I thought maybe I'd want to do accounting like my older sister was majoring in because we Yeah, she's a CPA. <laughs> she's a CPA. We usually like the same things. It turns out we're very different people. Uh, I hated accounting. I figured probably wouldn't like finance that much either. I was right. Um, I thought maybe marketing or management, but I didn't want freshman and sophomore year, Carly didn't want to go the management or marketing route because it's viewed as more soft skill kind of areas and that's my that was my perception at the time and so I didn't do it and what was left for me was supply chain and management information systems I took uh, a computer coding class which would be under the MIS major and I got an even worse grade in that class than I did accounting (laughs) and so I said all right supply chain it is Uh, and so luckily the first supply chain class that I took was actually pretty interesting and I thought it was more fun than everybody else in the class did and so that was a good sign and I felt a little encouraged by that because I saw supply chain as efficiency, logistics, and the best way to get from point A to point B. And all of my classes were about shipping or pipe consolidation or UPS and FedEx case studies. But there, there was a point where I was like, I'm probably not going to work for FedEx. Yep. But these skills seem applicable and things that I like to do because I like being in charge, not for the sake of being in charge, but I like delegating tasks. I like 
making sure that things run smoothly and that things are being run efficiently and effectively and supply chain related directly to that. So I was satisfied there for a minute. Uh, but whenever I went for to the career, for a minute, <laughs> but when I went to the career fair my junior year, everybody goes in the fall to see if they can kind of figure out what they're going to do the next summer for an internship because you have to have an internship. I went to the career fair and I went to most of the booths and I left and I was so sad because everything there seemed so boring. I didn't want to work in oil and gas. I didn't want to work at HEB. I had lots of friends that worked at HEB and they love it. I just personally didn't want to work at HEB. Uh, and all of the options just didn't seem like any related to anything that I was remotely interested in. And so I figured, okay, the world's got to be bigger than this. These, this can't be my only options because I don't want to do any of this. And that was the moment where I kind of had to sit down with myself and say, okay, what do you like? What are things that you are involved with and that you turn to often for joy and for fulfillment? And my sister was really good about kind of pointing me to that because she said, now is a great spot in your life to take a chance and to see if you can make a move into something that's different from this. And so that was the point where I said, okay, I need to try to pursue something that I'm actually interested in. And that may be kind of weird and unorthodox compared to what everybody else is doing. But if I don't do it, I'm going to be stuck and I'm going to be really unsatisfied and not happy with what I'm doing. So that was the moment that I knew I needed to try to figure out something else to do. That's incredible because that's the exact moment where me and most others, uh, honestly, said, well, I mean, if I'm honest with myself, am I actually invigorated by the description of this business analyst supply chain role at Exxon? No, Um, (laughs) but it sounds like this is the time to suck it up and this is just what you have to do. This is success. Like you have to like do the grunt work. And, you know, I think that that's just not necessarily true 100% of the time. I'm actually reflecting on this because I also majored in supply chain for all the same reasons that you listed. And so I really relate to that. And I actually was like, all right, I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm going to go into a supply chain role. And I got an interview with Exxon and (laughs) literally she the interviewer looked at my resume saw that I had a a track record of an entrepreneurial spirit and starting things and I was very passionate um with what I chose to do with my life and all this stuff until she just saw the like hard right turn into like this makes no sense for you (laughs) and she was like oh my gosh I just want all the success in the world for you and she literally teared up and said she wouldn't give me the job because she's like you she said you would be so unhappy and I was like that's weird and I just like (laughs) go to the next I go to the next interview I'm like all right how about like what else like Phillips 66 or like PwC or something like that (laughs) like that was literally God throwing me a bone and I was like no right when your interviewer (laughs) cries in the job and you're like that was weird what's next (laughs) yeah exactly so I just yeah so inspired by you having that emotional honesty with yourself like I don't like this and I don't have to like this so it's like emotional honesty but then permission to do something about that Um, so whenever you were evaluating your interests and what you go to for joy and fulfillment and all these things, 
what started to become clear about what Mm -hmm. you wanted to do? I was kind of grasping at straws at that point because I just didn't know what else existed for me to do in the business world. I didn't know job titles or descriptions that weren't available to me via career fair or the Maze website or alums of the business organizations that I was in. And so I truly just didn't know what was out there. And so I said, okay, I like books. I like movies. Those are things that I do for fun. And it had always been in the back of my mind a little bit is that whenever I'm like scrolling on like social media or Pinterest or something like that, I follow a lot of behind the scenes accounts. And those pictures always just fascinated the heck out of me. And so I thought about that for a second. So maybe I could do something kind of like on the business side of movies because movies need business people, right? Right? Yeah. Uh, And so that was kind of the first thing that I grabbed onto and was like, okay, I'm going to try to shoot for this because this is the only other thing that I actually like that maybe they could need somebody with my degree. And so I literally Googled film internships because that was the only thing that I knew how to do. Uh, and also reached out to as many people as possible. If I had a friend of a friend of a friend who worked in Los Angeles and who knew somebody who worked there, I was going to try to make those connections. Uh, Again, my sister was really helpful because she had older friends who had kind of made their way into that industry or peripheral industries that she connected me with. And so I spend a lot of hours talking on the phone to people that I didn't know, (laughs) just saying, what is your job? What do you do? And how did you get there? Just to figure out what options were available to me, not to say, I want your job, but just to say, what is your job? Yes. So I called as many people as possible and then just got on the internet and Googled them internships. I think I applied to 90 internships. Um, I definitely went for quantity over quality of my applications because I got one offer from all of those that's 90s, all you need. but that's all you need. Yes. So that was another really big part of figuring out how to talk about my experiences up to that point were very much either involvement in the business school and doing businessy school things or volunteering with the like the opera and performing arts society and at that point I had no idea what those had like anything to do together it didn't make any sense somebody would look at my resume and say you've got a very strange set of interests Uh, okay and so getting that one internship offer was actually with a placement company where they would take you in refine your resume teach you how to talk about it and then send your resume to different film production companies so that was my first one. I gave them my resume and then they had me completely redo it because I had no idea what I was doing, obviously, but I redid all of my bullet points not to reflect. I raised X amount of money in this, but all of my experience was about how did I use my involvement in this organization to support telling some kind of story. So if it's in the business fellows organization where we're working on cases. It's not about presenting cases with X percentage of success. It's about translating problems in a business culture into actionable solutions. If it's the Auburn Performing Arts Society, it's not about seating X many people per night. It's about creating a hospitable environment and supporting the traveling storytellers or performers or artists. So she really helped me uh, redefine my experiences and taught me how to talk about them. 
because up to that point, I knew that I liked movies and things like that, but I didn't know anything else. And so she kind of took me through that process and said, here are your experiences. Uh, and they do relate. You just don't know how to articulate that yet. And so she helped me walk through that process. I think that's the key to anything, really. It's just how do you articulate your experiences, no mm -hmm. matter how unrelated they seem, to see the connection. I, I think seeing the connection to is just such an important theme in many, many ways. Um, like seeing the connection, I like how Tim Keller says in Every Good Endeavor, every Christian must see the connection between their work and how it serves and interacts with the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And that's a key to our satisfaction. And the key to opportunities is explaining to the right people why your past makes you qualified to be in this ex, you know, position now. Yes, um, definitely. So wait, just to clarify, that woman that you're mentioning, I think, mm -hmm. who helps you translate your resume in that way, mm -hmm. um, and communicate yourself, was that just a connection who was doing you a favor or that was related to your internship? That was with the internship at the placement company. Uh, so that one internship offer that I got was with the placement company who would then put me at a film production company. Oh. And so this placement company served as the middleman where they would kind of filter through intern prospects for companies and then give them a short list of people that they should be interviewing. Uh, and meanwhile, while uh, people aren't quite or the film companies aren't quite taking in interns, this company is refining your resume to make you a really competitive applicant. So it was really fortunate that the one internship offer that I got was kind of a little mini training program instead of me just getting thrown out into the big wide world with no experience. Uh, I had somebody take me under their wing and say, okay, here are the rules of the game. Here's what you need to play. Go forth. Holy cow. That's providence of God if I've ever heard it. No, literally that is the only way that I can think of to explain why somebody would take a chance on me with no hard experience in like digital media or film entertainment, which is what the internship was in. That is the only way that I can explain how I was placed in that position. Oh, gosh. Okay. So that summer seems like it changed a whole lot of things. Mm -hmm. What were the thoughts you came out of that internship with of did you receive clarity like oh I definitely want to do this yeah. or you saw the next steps ahead of what to do um and how did that change your scene how you went into your senior year mm -hmm. so I wanted to go into the summer just to see if I liked the industry or not because if I didn't like it that would make my life a lot easier because this was hard this was hard stuff to try to yeah. figure out how to move into entertainment so if I didn't like it Enough said, I'll go do something else. I'll go work in consulting. Nice. Um, but if I did like it, then that was, that was going to serve as a sign for me to say, okay, I'm going to go all in. We're going to see if I can get a full-time job in this. So I went into the internship. I cried on my last day of work because I didn't want to leave. And because oh. it was so fun uh, because I got to use skills from supply chain, from business school and from my organizational involvements all in my internship. And something that I discovered while I was there is that no matter what you're majoring in, in the business school, just being in the business school teaches you just how to exist and how to be in a workplace that no other major quite gives you. Uh, it's a lot of really great practical experience for 
how you're operating in a meeting, how you're operating in a group project, how to give a presentation. That's something the business school really does well. And so I felt like the only thing that I was having to kind of play catch up with was the language of the industry. But that's something that I could do on my own or that I could ask for help with. It wasn't something that was unattainable. It was just something that I needed to go out and do on my own time. So all, and the people that went to film school who were interns with me uh, knew the language of the industry and had maybe a more specific idea of what they wanted to do because they went to film school. But I found that we just conducted ourselves very differently in a work environment. And I was very confident in the way that I handled myself and the way that I completed my work while I was there. And I was really proud of the way that I operated while on my internship. So my major in the business school came in handy in unexpected ways because going into it, I was like, oh, I should have gone to film school. And in interviewing for the business fellows program, the general looked me dead in the eye at the end of my interview and said, why aren't you in film school right now? Oh. And at first I didn't know how to answer him because I was like, uh, I don't know. And so I kind of had to come up with an answer on the spot and say, because the people in the film industry need business majors. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. what I'm going to go with. And then, lo and behold, they actually do. So I came out knowing that I wanted to work in that job because it was the most fun I'd ever had, but also affirmed in the fact that my time in the business school was not wasted. This is really useful stuff that I'm learning here, and I'm going to need it if I'm going to differentiate myself in the industry. I can learn the industry-specific things on my own time, or as much as you can if you've never had a full-time job in it. Uh, and then I'm going to glean as much as I can from my finance friends and my oil and gas friends and my consulting friends uh, before I go off into an industry without them. And so I had a lot of direction and purpose going into senior year and knowing I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing, but this time is valuable and I'm learning real good stuff here. Oh my gosh, Carly, you're blowing my mind. And I'm just <laughs> picturing you coming back from that summer and being like, yo, what up friends? And they just like being so mind blown. Okay, what? genuinely like what were your conversations like with friends after you all came back from the summer and they're like I feel half dead from my consulting intern yeah like Deloitte or whatever and you're like I feel great yeah <laughs> most of them didn't know what I was talking about because I would try to explain my job to them I, I worked in a department of the company that was new and it was basically an IP engine where they would create a universe um, stories, kind of like the Marvel universe, you know, there's like a lot of different characters, a lot of different things happens at different points in time. That's what my company would do in our department. And then they would figure out how to bring those different storylines to different digital platforms. So we want to pull this storyline onto a graphic novel and pull this storyline into an Instagram campaign. And so I would try to explain this to my friends and their eyes would just kind of glaze over and be like, wow, cool. Wow. Like so Deloitte. <laughs> um, so only my friends who also wanted to do what I did, uh, which were few and far in between, were like, whoa, that must have been like the coolest thing ever. Like, who did you meet? What did you do while you were there? Um, so I didn't have to explain myself just a million times over because I could kind of just give my 20 second pitch to my friends who didn't really know would be like, that's awesome. I'm so glad you liked it. <laughs> See, that's it. <laughs> um, like disingenuous. Yeah. yeah that's kind of That's what I got too. Right. But the people who helped me in the process before I got the internship were and the ones who really invested in it were really, really happy for me and just so 
I don't want to say fulfilled because it's not like my internship gave them personal fulfillment, but things started to make sense because a lot of the conversations that I had before my internship and before I received an offer of an internship, and similarly my senior year before I received a job offer, a lot of the conversations with my friends uh, would be, there's a reason why you have this desire in your heart and a passion for media and storytelling. You don't have this um, passion for, as a joke, it's not to be funny. Uh, and it's not just for you to watch movies on the weekend in your spare time and then pine after the industry while you're at a boring job. Yeah. That was what a lot of the conversations with my friends were like. And so the people with whom I'd had those conversations after I came back from my internship would say, yes, this is it. Like, I see you and this makes sense. So it was really affirming in that way to know that it wasn't just me saying, this is a fun job. It's people who know you saying this makes sense. So good for other people to know you as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I'm thinking for anybody listening who might be feeling like, oh my gosh, well, maybe she's just super confident or it worked out or maybe I'm not a business major. So even this encouragement doesn't apply to me. Mm. I think what we're talking about is an attitude not a pattern of because you did this, you were qualified to do this. Mm. No, I think it, it's not a, a statement I dwell on a lot is it's not how, how many resources you have or what qualifications you have, for instance, it's how resourceful you are. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of, I mean, to be dramatic, like dared to hope that you could actually <laughs> yeah. enjoy your job. And I think a question that listeners can ask themselves um, to start digging into like, okay, well, for Carly, it's the film industry. For me, what is it? Like, ask yourself, what could I talk about all day? That was a question that really transformed my career search whenever mm-hmm. I was ready to be real with myself and like level up, basically. Yeah. Uh, so senior year, you are what, like having to look for a new job now that you're confirmed this is the direction I want to go into. How did you get that next full-time position if it was full-time? Right. So that was one of the things that was kind of eh, for me senior year was I came back from my internship and the way that the entertainment industry works is that whenever they have a job opening, it's filled within a week uh, and you don't know beforehand when there's going to be openings. It's very much on an as-needed basis. There's no cyclical hiring uh, cycle. Whereas all my friends in consulting came back and said, man, I've got a job. I'm starting next October. <laughs> so uh, that, was, that part was a little different. But because I'd come back and I said, that was really awesome. And I need to keep working in this industry. I decided I was just going to go for it. So a lot of that was, again, reaching out to everybody that I knew, just staying in touch with people. Because a lot of it is not necessarily who you know and that like I know the right people. But it's using your connections to the best of your ability and maintaining actual relationships with people and yeah. not just reaching out after nine months and saying, hey, I'm back. Like, you got any jobs? It's yep. reaching out over a consistent period of time saying, hi, checking in. Here's what I'm up to at school. Uh, here's what I'm working on. Like, would love to hear what's happening back with you. And that's what I did with my company. Um, and I'm not working for them, but I still keep in touch with them because I genuinely liked all of them. Uh, And so we're still friends. And so we talk, Um, but I knew I was going to have to keep applying for jobs. And so this was a 
again, one of the funky spots where I just had to apply to as many things as I could. But because the hiring process is what it is, if I was going to apply to a job in December, they need it filled in January. So I knew there wasn't a whole lot I could do in terms of actually applying until about March or April. Uh, because until then, all I could really do was reach out and just say hi to people, say hi, how's it doing, or how you doing, how's it going, and so I really started looking at jobs in the spring, applying to things in March and April, and I was just applying to random jobs that I saw, like at Disney or at Lionsgate or at HBO, anything that made sense that was anywhere related to what I wanted to do because I wasn't about to be picky at that point Mm -hmm. uh and then my sister texted me and she said you're applying for the page program right and I responded and I was like duh and then I googled the page program oh Um, you did not give your sister the satisfaction of calling you out no (laughs) um no I knew what the page program was but I just hadn't remembered it up until that point and it was a very convenient uh window in which I could apply and then eventually hear back from the job. And I said, this makes sense. This would be really ideal uh, because I get to be in New York with my sister, which is the decision that I had to make. My internship was in Los Angeles. Um, A lot of jobs are there, but also jobs are in New York. And that was a pretty agonizing one because I didn't feel great about either one and I thought up until that point if I didn't feel quote at peace with a decision then it wasn't good or like the Lord didn't like want that for me uh which I don't know where I learned that but I know a lot of people think the same thing yeah and so trust your gut but also sometimes don't trust your gut and make decisions that are based on what you know to be true about yourself and who God is and what you value. And so that's how I ended up in New York, not because I felt right about it, because sometimes you don't feel good about anything, but you have to make a choice. So applying well for things. Said. Oh my God. No, let's just camp out on that point for a hot day. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how hard it is to dismantle this teaching that you said it yourself, kind of like, where the flip did this come from? This mm. like, go where the peace is. Sometimes that works. You know, I'm sure that there's a load of testimonies of mm-hmm. people that are like, yeah, absolutely. That's it. But like, do you think, I think an excellent example, again, bringing up Timothy Keller, famous pastor in New York City, mm-hmm. he said, do you think I felt any peace telling all my friends I was about to leave all that I knew, move to New York, that is one of the most secular cities in the world, and plant a church there, there was no peace. And I think he had to like sign a three-year lease or something like that. He's like, there was no peace, but I was firm and I was decided that this is where the Lord called me and it made sense. And he had resolve about it, mm-hmm. regardless of where his Ew, excuse me, I choked where <laughs> feelings were at. That was like, so I was trying to make this dramatic point, I like choke on my spit, which is just so upsetting. Well, great, great. Awesome. Where do we go from here? Carly, take it away. <laughs> all right, cool, cool, cool. So yes to all of that, because it, like what you were saying about what Tim Keller said, did I feel peace? No, but did call, God call me to this place? Yes, because those two things a lot of times don't have anything to do with each other. Um, because I was thinking, all right, like, should I go to 
Los Angeles, where all of my network is, because I hadn't done any networking in New York because I wasn't there and I hadn't really planned on going there because I thought, oh, film TV, it's going to be in New York. And so I met a ton of people out there. That's where I had my internship. But my sister was in New York. And as most Americans know, those are on the opposite sides of the coast. It's very far away, not close at all. Uh, but they have similar job opportunities. More jobs in TV and film are in Los Angeles. But in New York, they've also got uh, publishing, editorial things, uh, fine arts, more so than Los Angeles. So I had about an equal amount of interest on both sides, but I was so caught up in the tension between my network is here and I, I can't get a job anywhere else if I don't go to Los Angeles. I won't be able to do it, which again, falling into the mindset that a lot of people have, like, I can't do it. I place that limit on myself. Like you can get a job anywhere you want not guaranteeing what kind of job it's going to be, but you can get a job. And then on the other hand, my sister is in New York. Why would I not go there if I could get a job that I enjoyed while I was there? And so I agonized over that for a long time, a lot of tears, um, because I thought none of the, neither of these options makes me feel good inside. And so what the heck am I supposed to do now? And so it took hard conversations with friends and family to help me realize that if God is calling you somewhere, that doesn't mean that it makes you feel good. And if God is calling you somewhere, it's probably based on something that he's already said in his word. He's not going to whisper sweet nothings in your ear. Um, <laughs> it's going to be something in his word about who he is and what he values and therefore what you should value. And that came down to, okay, it's going to be really easy for my family if I'm in New York. And it also like would make sense generally if somebody wanted to work in entertainment generally to move to New York, uh, even though my network and the people that I know are in Los Angeles, it is more important for my life as a whole that I'm in New York. And I felt kind of weird about the decision. Once I had decided New York, I wasn't like, ah, oh, weight off my shoulders. I was like, <laughs> I'm still clenched up. All I know oh. is the type of job that I'm applying to now. Um, so just because you don't feel good about something doesn't mean it's bad. And I think I had internalized it from like just friends in college speaking Christianese saying, <laughs> uh, you know, just I didn't feel at peace about it, so I didn't do it. Or I just like I felt so peaceful after making that decision. And then whenever I didn't get any peace, I was like, "Well, what the heck? Where's mine? Where's uh, my piece of this pie?" Right. So great pun. Uh, so I think in that respect, peace is a privilege in decision making, not uh, a right. So sorry, I'm still dying about the fact that you caught that as a pun. Of the a piece of the pie. Pu- of the pie. Early, you're so funny. No, <laughs> Not sorry, everybody. I'm, supposed be, I'm supposed to be dampening your self-confidence. Dang it, Macy's gonna be so mad at me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she's gonna probably rip me after this, and you. Uh, <laughs> but you gotta have people like that in your life who will say, you're not supposed to, like, feel particularly good after every decision that you make and just, like, continue on your way. Sometimes you don't feel good about things, but it doesn't make you less whole and it doesn't make you special that your decision is hard you know yeah. like at some point you just have to pick something 
and say, this decision will glorify the Lord because I'm going to glorify the Lord, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at that point, just decided New York and said, we're going to make this work. And not everything is about me all the time. Big surprise. That's one, like the not so great side of having a lot of confidence in decision-making is that sometimes it doesn't, or I'm not as apt to think of others in my decision-making in a selfless way as other people might think of others when they're making decisions. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, who did you feel like you had to consider? I'm just curious because, you know, you're like this lone agent. I'm just going to like go out and do what I want. Well, yeah, that was my attitude. Like I literally thought to myself, I'm a lone agent and I'm going to go out and do whatever the heck I want because I'm capable of doing that. Uh, And like, no matter how capable you are of doing whatever you want, like, that's fine. That's what I'm learning right now, actually, is that you don't have to like flex your independence and individuality all the time. Like we weren't made to be little lone island people who make decisions that don't affect anybody else. Mm-hmm. Like every single decision we make affects somebody else. And that's something that I'm learning right now. Now that I'm here in New York, having gotten to participate in all the really cool opportunities that I have by kind of striking out on my own, I'm tempering that with the importance of knowing that there are people around me and that my decisions yeah. do affect them. Even if my decisions are deciding between super cool things, you know? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Uh, I kinda, Did I answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Well, homegirl, as if I remember <laughs> the question that I asked. <laughs> but uh, here's the good news. I have a new question. Are you ready for it? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. New question. So I'm curious about what you doubted or feared or petrified of mm-hmm. in your college decision making that you look back now and you're like it's all good yes I didn't freak out so much about that right so as much as it seems like oh like confident went out and just did it my reaction to fear is to steal myself and ignore it which like isn't great a lot of the time but that's what that's my natural reaction so I did have a ton of fears in college about doing what I wanted to do. The first one I can literally remember in my dorm freshman year thinking, so in order to be in a top leadership position my senior year, I need to be in at least two by my junior year, um, but I'll need to be in three by my sophomore year. So I'll start with four in my freshman year and then narrow down after that. I literally thought, how can I make my resume look exactly like I need it to? Based on, based on what? The other two resumes that I had seen of older people in the business school, um, I remember thinking, how many organizations do I need to be in now to be a, in a top role my senior year? And then thinking to myself, well, what if I apply like, to leadership positions in my organizations and none of them give it to me? I remember thinking that my freshman year, which is hilarious now, but I know that's a real fear for people in that spot. Uh, but like now out of it, always easier said than done. But now that I'm out of that situation, it's so much more about being able to talk about your experiences on your resume and not the words on them. Because like, yes, whenever an interviewer looks at your resume, they look at like the positions and your bullet points and things, but 
the interview is not them reading your resume for 30 minutes. It's them talking to you for 30 minutes. And so being able to speak about your experiences is way more important than your resume saying, um, president of XYZ club or CEO of ABC organization. So that was one of the things that I was really worried about my freshman years, how many I needed to be in in order for X, Y, and Z to happen. Um, and then also going into my internship, I was nervous. I didn't know the language because I didn't go to film school. Should I have gone to film school? Like, what was I doing at A&M? Oh, no. Uh, and then I got there and I was like, you know what? You're right. You don't know a lot of things, but a lot of things that they teach you in film school are very technical. So if you want to be a cinematographer or a lighting director, sweet, go to film school or, or don't learn it on your own even then. Uh, but if you want to do something more on the business side or even on just like the less technical creative side, like producing, you don't need to go to film school. You just need to do your research. All of the information is readily available to you. Uh, and you just need to know how to operate within an office and a business, which thankfully I had an idea of how to do. Uh, so that was one of the things that I was nervous about in college. And then also this one less so, but it was always kind of underlying um, my path going through an internship interviews and getting a job is going to look really different from all of my friends. And it would just be a lot more convenient and give me peace of mind if I was going through the same things as everybody else so that we could talk about it and I could have something to compare myself to some kind of standard to know if I need to work harder or if I was like really doing great and I could just cruise for a while. And so I wanted a standard to compare myself to and was a little freaked out that I didn't have anything to go up against Mm -hmm. and that it was just going to be me figuring it out and kind of going full speed the whole time, but never knowing if I was actually going full speed or if I was going too slow or too fast. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's always one of those things where you look back and you're like, I was okay the whole time, but you don't know that in the moment, of course. Uh, And so I would say if you're in that position and you've got absolutely nothing to compare yourself to and not to compare yourself against something like, Oh, I'm better than that, but just some kind of standard to measure yourself against to say, I need to work harder or I'm working harder than usual. Um, It's hard to know what to say, but like, be faithful to things that you think that you are called to and work hard. Don't kill yourself, like be healthy, but also me, for me personally, I have a little thing in my gut where I know if I'm being lazy and it kind of, kind of eats at me, especially the things that I'm supposed to be working on are things that I actually care about. And so if you're pursuing something that nobody else is, chances are you probably care about it. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to want to put everything that you have in it and actually do your duty by it if you're called to it. So having no standard made me a little nervous, but knowing that if I'm called to this, it's going to work out. And if I'm not called to this, um, then something else is going to work out and it's okay if what I thought was going to happen doesn't because I'm not in charge. I am not like the captain of my ship, the master of my soul, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think what you're saying speaks to this uh, this resolve that we have to have to develop a competency and a skill at making faithful decisions that mm-hmm. are aligned with who 
what like God made you to be? Like, what are the attributes, the talents, the spiritual gifts, the personality, the motivation that you have, the interests, the passions, all these things, like be faithful with those and the core values, especially. Um, Cause it sounds like you just were able to be honest with yourself that you valued different things than what many of the people around you at least acted like they valued. Right. Um, and you have to be willing to make a be be willing to I guess make a tough decision and like do the work to make an aligned decision with your life now Mm -hmm. feel that pain now or feel it later (laughs) because like it certainly caught up with me and I think that's with a lot of people um and you don't have to feel like oh it's just a game of like I don't know toughening up your your I don't know getting gumption and having grit basically just getting used to like this is how life is when in reality, look, because you made these tough decisions and because you followed your gut and you discerned what you were called to do, not just what makes sense, mm-hmm. you were able to almost like attack, like go at your work with all of your gumption and your your spirit and your passion. And it makes us so much better workers. Because I think that, um, uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, but I think that, you know, growing up in Texas and the Bible Belt and everyone speaking Christianese, as we mm-hmm. call it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so many people say, you want to know how to be a faithful Christian, a good Christian in, in your work? Just work super hard and be the most excellent person at your job. And I just think that's so bogus because there's people that are <laughs> that are so good at their job whether or not they believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he was like and that just having a a good work ethic doesn't it's not necessarily going to distinguish you or present opportunities open up opportunities to share the gospel and do I think it's like have a transformed heart but if to your argument all these people speaking Christianese um are if you say we better just like work really hard and be the most excellent person in the office in order to fulfill the definition of what it means to be a good Christian at work, then heck, I would consider what allows you to be a better, harder, like, I don't know, higher quality worker. Mm -hmm. I think that it's doing something that you actually enjoy. So I always appreciate people like you who really live out that counter example to these platitudes that apparently we're supposed to build our career on. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm so on board with that because you could be like, obvious example, you could be the hardest working person in the office, but me miserable. And like the way that you view your work, if it makes you just so sad inside, that affects the way that you come home and the way you treat your friends and your family. And that's like on the obvious level, but if you've got a skill set that allows you to be really good at something and you still like don't like your job and you hate it, like even though you're good at it, that's got to be just so draining knowing that you've got the skills for something, but it just makes you so sad inside. There's got to be another way that you can use those skills in a way that you can see a connection to the kingdom and not saying the first job, there's no connection to the kingdom, but if you're sitting there hating your life, uh, that's not the way that we were meant to be, you know, work has dignity and work matters. And if work makes you miserable 24 seven, you're probably doing it wrong. Even if you're doing everything right, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
yes, work hard. And I think it glorifies the Lord when we're good at what we do and we work hard. But I also think we were given certain passions and skills for a reason. Like I said, it's not a joke that you have them. It's not to tease you. It's not just for fun all the time. And so if you can find that spot where your passions make you excited to go to work, but you're also good at it, that's a really great spot. I don't think you necessarily have to be the best at your job. You just have to work in your position and work for man like you are working for God and that you are working hard and that you care about it and that you're doing this for the glory of the Lord. You don't go to work and say, I was super great at my job today, but now let's start real life. So, and that's like yeah. kind of like dumb of me to say, because I'm what, like two months into working. Uh, but it would make sense that if you are given something that you really care about and you're not doing something about it, even in like your off time doing purposeful things outside of your paying job, uh, then why do you care about those things? Yeah. You know, why does it matter? Yeah. Mm. Preach. Preach, Carly. <laughs> I think, um, what's interesting, I just want to bring up that for a while, I I also didn't know how to handle passions and like what, what I was super interested in. I actually thought <laughs> kind of how people were dancing around this topic and talking about it in Christian communities I was in. I started to think that you're, passions are something that you just made up and they're completely worldly and you're not supposed to be concerned with what you want because feelings are fickle Carly you know, like <laughs> that's what people would always tie it to that and I just don't think mm -hmm. that we could use such a simplistic model mm -hmm. we're not saying that your feelings or your passions are the same thing as your feelings mm -hmm. feelings interact with all these different pillars in our life right but you're not just doing something because it makes you feel good right like, like dignify it and explore why god put that on your heart to do and maybe first acknowledge that it it potentially came from god mm -hmm. you're not just making it up i think that's the big kicker once i realized whoa this isn't just my own volition i think mm -hmm. i think that i was entrusted with this to do something about it yeah no i'm totally on board with feelings aren't the same as passions because I forgot who said this. It might have just been a friend, but feelings are just reactions, little flags and signals that you can use, not things in and of themselves. You know, feelings are reactional. Something has to happen in order for you to feel this way or a number of things happen to create some kind of feeling. Whereas a passion is already sitting there and then you do something about it instead of this involuntary like bodily chemical reaction that's happening inside your brain, you already have the passion and then you go and do something instead of letting something like affect you, you know? Yes. Wow. Oh my gosh. I shouldn't admit this. Sorry, Macy. She's going to be so mad, but I'm learning a lot. This is awesome. <laughs> I love that. That's such a good distinction on passions. It's something there for you to do something about. It's not one of those things that just categorize in the group of reactions that you have. Um, right. And that somebody had to say that to me because I also didn't know what to do with my feelings for a long time. And I still wouldn't consider myself extremely like emotionally mature um, because there was a point where like a mentor said in my life, uh, like what I was talking about, your feelings are just reactions to things. So if something happens and then you feel really angry, 
it's not you just sitting in your anger and saying, I'm angry. It's why am I angry about this? Why was that my reaction? And should that be my reaction? Um, whereas, you know, like I was talking about like the passion, like I wake up every day and I still like to read and I still like to watch movies and I still think that they matter. So it was helpful for me, not only like in my career, I guess, in deciding, okay, here's something I'm actually passionate about. I should pursue it, but also it affects every other area of your life so that you can distinguish, okay, yes, like passions are real and feelings are fickle and distinctions need to be made between the two, but knowing more so how to separate your feelings from it and dealing with those uh, makes for healthier relationships. Mm-hmm. Dang. Yeah. Word on that. <laughs> uh, I, this is another thing that really interests me about people like you who are directly working in a field related to their passions and interests. So here's another myth. It's not just the first one I threw out about like, oh, you know, uh, it, those are just feelings and you can't trust yourself. Mm. And, you know, maybe those didn't come from God. Um, but the second one is, oh, I, I don't think I should work in something in a field that I, that are, that's like related to my hobbies or something I like, Mm -hmm. because what if it ruins what I like? Like, That's another one. Yeah. How do you feel about that? The jury is still out on that one because I also do have no idea whether like working in like the film industry or TV industry is going to just take the magic out of TV for me. Um, But on that, I'm not passionate about watching TV. I'm passionate about like what is being presented for us to watch mm-hmm. and the material that we are consuming because I think what we consume matters. So I think there's a difference between like being passionate about participating in your hobbies or like the object and the subject matter itself. Because if you're like truly passionate about the object and the subject matter, you want a meaningful and substantive experience for somebody else and not just for your own sake and for your own enjoyment. Mm. So I kind of wondered that too, like, well, would it ruin reading for me if I worked in publishing because I know how the sausage gets made? Um, (laughs) Personally, I don't think it would for me. And I think it's safe to work within your passions because if seeing like how it all happens and seeing the magic behind the scenes if that ruins it for you then it doesn't seem like it mattered very much because if you care about something and if you're passionate about it it has value it matters in some kind of eternal sense and so what goes into creating that should matter just as much as the end product and if you're passionate about it why wouldn't you want a hand in creating that kind of product that should matter, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. I'm thinking of a couple examples. So, um, I I mean, (laughs) oh, I'm not like throwing anyone under the bus, but, uh, some, whenever I talk to guys, like a lot of guys who are interested in, oh gosh, this just sounds bad. No, say it, say it. (laughs) No, you can't make me, but um, guys who are interested in like being potentially like a client of mine, they are like, well, I, okay, this is not true for everybody. It's just happened a couple times. Okay. Okay. Like, not I'm, all guys. I'm working up to my point. Here it is. 
<laughs> they're like, well, I like, I like playing games. Like I like gaming. So should I, should I do something related to that? Or like others who are like, I just watch a lot of, I'm not talking about guys now, just like people. Like, mm-hmm. I, well, I watch a lot of TV. Should I do that? It's so totally different. Yeah. Totally different. Or like, I really like eating. Should I be a chef? Mm, oh yeah a distinction between what I I think their viewpoint is or their interest level in those activities and how Mm -hmm. that potentially relates or doesn't relate to a satisfactory career path and what you're saying is are you interested in the process like are you fascinated by game theory or the story behind it, or what made that satisfying? Right. Um, what was captivating about it? Um, and, or like, I love the construction of a good food, like a good plate of food, mm-hmm. or like how, what scientifically made that work and made it like a harmony, a symphony of flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, are you interested in the construction behind these things? Um, and does that fascinate you? Have you delved it? I think a another interesting little test is like what have you researched and gone into all these bunny trails about and like mm-hmm. your leg fell asleep under you as you yes. like sat on it for five hours going oh, through like yeah. the 20th page on google <laughs> that might be the thing no yeah that is I think clarifying what I think on the subject too because like I also like nobody loves donuts more than me like you can ask anybody that knows me <laughs> nobody loves donuts more than I do but I don't want to make donuts because I just like to eat the donuts, you know, but I'm the one who's scrolling IMDb for 20 hours a day, looking at the trivia for random movies that I've never seen before, because I like click this page that leads to this page that leads to this page, you know? So like the things that you're talking about, that's such a good litmus test. Like, what are you going down the rabbit hole for? Like, what are you spending time on the internet looking at? Mm. Um, and like, how are you spending your weird like hours of the night like researching like totally harmless things but that you're like embarrassed to tell people about you know like I don't go around telling people like I spend most of my social media time on IMDB (laughs) not actually connecting with people um but it is one of the age-old question like do because I like baseball like should I go like be a sports broadcaster kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh I don't, I think the only distinction that I know how to make is, are you interested in the process like you distilled earlier? Because if not, hobbies also exist and hobbies are fun and good, but they are different from passions, I think. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Even more of a boiled down distinction that I thought of is it's not, what do you go to whenever you want to disengage your brain and just mindlessly zone out Mm -hmm. what does your brain want to engage in yes just lights up (laughs) yes and that's also I something that I've seen in my own life because I watch I've found myself watching less and less tv Mm -hmm. which I think is a good thing but also it's helping me not to just turn off my brain whenever I watch I'm only going to watch things that I think that are particularly interesting or particularly well-made it's not (laughs) this sounds so dumb but I don't watch tv for fun if that makes (laughs) sense um I watch it to engage like you were talking about uh and I'm not just gonna sit there on my time off and binge that's not how Mm -hmm. I want to relax like I'll 
do that with reading. Like I'll read way more than I watch TV, but because I want to work in TV, I think you're allowed to be picky about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Dang. Girl, you got some stuff to say. So I, just to wrap up, I'd like to ask, I guess whenever we're both thinking about the people that might be listening to this and Mm -hmm. might be intrigued by whatever I end up titling this, you know, Mm -hmm. like just making a different choice and like not feeling like you have to go along the conveyor belt to Mm -hmm. A, B, C, business major equals accounting equals whatever. Um, And people who are like frustrating and hurting to find something that makes them feel even a sliver of what you feel whenever you're talking about your work. Mm-hmm. What what are some of the just pieces of encouragement or wisdom that you would like to share with them? Mm-hmm. On, I guess, a higher level, not as specific advice that I'm going to give in a second. Uh, if you're really passionate about something, like I'm talking about, like you're fascinated by the process and you want to have a hand in the creation, uh, you don't have those passions for nothing not a joke. It's not a tease. That doesn't mean that if you like fashion, you're going to be the editor-in-chief of Vogue one day. That's not what it means, but it also is not just for you to pine over and to spend all of your time daydreaming about. So it's not useless. Um, Two, it's really useful to have people that know you and your life and can say, like, because I know you so well, I know that these are the things that you're interested in. And they might say it in a way that's just a little different than how you would have phrased it. And that might help to elucidate something that you haven't quite figured out yet. Uh, But on a practical level, if you know that there's just a general field that you're really interested in, just get in contact with as many people as possible. Not to say, can you give me a job? But to say, what is your job? So call friends, call friends of friends, call friends of friends of friends find people on LinkedIn that went to your school or that you have some kind of connection with that work at a really interesting company and just reach out to as many people as your network will allow to gather information. And then once you have that information, try to work with somebody to create an action plan. Like, right, my first step is going to be just applying for this job to see if I get any feedback or to see if they respond. Um, Because it, I can imagine it seems so daunting saying I work in finance but I want to work in the culinary world. And it seems like such a weird jump and also very far jump. So it's helpful for my brain that compartmentalizes things to say, okay, my, I have to take one step first. I can't take 20 steps at a time. So what is the first step that I can take? And then I'm going to do everything in my power to just take one step. And then once I get there, I'll think about the rest later. Yes. If you think about it all at one time, you're going to get overwhelmed what is one step that you can do that's going to push you closer to your goals, even if it's just learning more about it, figure out what the step is and then do it. Don't get freaked out by the other steps that you have to take because you can't take them all at one time, even if you wanted to. So don't try. So just Mm. do one thing. And if you discover, "Mm, I actually am not as crazy about this as I thought, then great, sweet. Try something else. But if it is, then know that you are on the right track and you are now one step closer than you were before. Uh, yes, just like collecting it all as data and then doing something about it and yeah. deciding that 
well, realizing that you could only make decisions with what you know today. And oftentimes it's an act of pure grace that God doesn't give us the entire roadmap because we would be freaked out and overwhelmed. Just go with the steps right mm-hmm. in front of you. And another, uh, I guess, summarizing thought based on what you said that came up earlier was it's not your just your network, as in like your latent network, that is your net worth, as people like to say, you know, like your network is your net worth, which I find completely true. And I really wish that I realized that earlier in college. Um, But it's not your latent network, it's your active network that you Mm -hmm. nurture. So constantly nurture, 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 like, honestly, the amount of times like before I even went into starting my own business, which is like, definitely, it takes a village of people that care about you Mm -hmm. to help. Um, But even before that, I would have literally never guessed like the girl that I, I um, went on a study abroad uh, with who I made a snide, really dumb remark about like marketing majors to would then be like potentially giving me an in and then interviewing me at this touring company. Like what, how horrifying, just like watch yourself. I don't know why I had this whole complex about marketing majors. I'm eating that, eating my like wisecracks every day of my life now that I feel like I'm a a full-time marketer. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's why I said earlier, whenever I didn't want to do marketing or management, I was like, that was my perspective then. Not now. Yeah, totally different now that you're out of the little bubble. Oh, yeah. Marketing is business. I remember one um, particular person in college said that, and I was like, huh, you know, that's an interesting thought. Now I'm like, confirmed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, look at us. Carly, thank you so, so much for sharing your inspiring story and super valuable perspective. I hope that this really encourages and lights a fire under people's butts who are like sitting in business school thinking, you know, I think I'm limited. No, like the world is your oyster. Start acting like it. Yeah, no, I love that. Like not, not stopping it. The world is your oyster. But if that is true, then freaking do something about it. You know, the only person who's saying that you can't do it is you. And that sounds like, so, oh, like inspirational, your best life now. But, stop. <laughs> but, but that is one of the things that my sister's really good about saying is that all of the little blocks that you think that you see are like creations of your own doing. And you're the only one telling yourself that you are the only person in your life telling yourself that you can't do it. Everybody else is saying that you can. Mm-hmm. So like trust somebody other than yourself for once and yeah. try, you know? Maybe first God and then second other people. <laughs> wild, right? Wild, wild. What well, a prospect. <laughs> what, what a prospect, exactly. Well, this has been a blast. <laughs> and yeah. I'm excited to hear what Maisie has to say about this. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Woo! All right. Well, people... Well, oh, yeah. I tried to give her as much credit because she was extremely instrumental and she did go before me because like I said we have all the same interests and eventually want to do similar things and she's just taking a different path to get there but it's probably going to get there before I do so (laughs) everything is good everything is good well thanks my lady let's all take a note out of Carly's book and go do something about our passions so woo, my pal yeah thank you Kelsey this was so fun Wasn't that incredible? I just 
love Carly's infectious confidence and oh man, I'm feeling really pumped up and ready to go. Even though I've already made a bold career leap of my own, I hope you guys are inspired by this and really align yourself with your passions. And so um, yeah, I would love to hear what exactly you took away from this episode and even what you're going to do about it. Uh, So reach out to me. I would love to meet you and talk with you. Just connect with me on LinkedIn where you could find me by searching Kelsey Kemp or you could DM me on Instagram if you prefer. I'm at Kelsey underscore the cult career. Just reach out, give me a message and tell me what you took away from this episode. So I will talk to you soon and I hope you have a great week. Bye.